Welcome to the Daily Devotion, a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Today we're going to be looking, uh, continuing our study in 1 Peter, looking at verses 3 through 5. And again, we're going to focus in on one idea that we find in these unbelievably rich verses that Peter is writing to these elect exiles in order to encourage them in their faith as they face sufferings of many kinds. So let me pray for us and then I'll read verses 3 through 5 and offer a few comments. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we find in your word, for the reminder of the identity that we have in Christ, for the security that is kept for us even by your power. We pray, Father, that as we reflect on your word for a few minutes today, that you might strengthen us by your word, that your spirit might be at work through me to proclaim in power what is true, and that your spirit might be at work in all of us to hear and believe and live in light of the truth that we hear. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. This is what Peter writes in these incredible verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. He continues, remember we talked about earlier in this series that this is really one long sentence in the original Greek that begins in verse 3 and runs all the way through verse 12. If we tried to translate it that way in English, our grammar would be a train wreck and all kinds of people would be frustrated about our grammar. The grammar police would show up in droves. And so it's broken up in our English Bibles into different sentences. But we have to understand that what Peter here is doing is reminding the exiles, these elect exiles who had been sent away from their homes, he's reminding them that God is still worthy of worship, that he is still the blessed God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of all these things that he has done. Now, if you've been around Christ Church Conway at all, you're familiar and you've heard me uh, you know, talk about these ideas of our hope security and identity and you've heard me talk about our security in terms of an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading this is one of the the kind of constant statements that is being made here at Christ Church Conway and so undoubtedly as we look at these passages this morning there are ideas that that may be kind of ringing true with you or, or setting off alarm bells of wait a minute I've heard that before if you've not been part of our congregation, if you've not kind of heard these statements on repeat from our pulpit, then I hope to introduce them to you now. And, and for the rest of us, I hope that we're reminded once again of these truths and are strengthened in our faith. As we look at this, we see these ideas of hope, identity, and security all wrapped up. So, so we see that he has caused us to be born again. We, we get our identity from those that are our parents and here our God and Father, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He has caused us to be born again. He's given us life. So there's the identity piece. But then he, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance. There's the hope and the security. So, so we see in this passage our identity, our hope, and our security all wrapped up right there. 
but we're going to talk about those later. So we'll get to those later this week. We'll probably spend one day talking about identity, one talking about hope, and one talking about security. What I want us to see this morning and reflect on just for a few minutes today is the basis of our identity, our hope, and our security. When we look at this passage, let me read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance. Notice what Peter is presenting as the basis of God's act in causing us to be born again to a living hope and to an inheritance. According to his great mercy. There's a lot that can be unpacked from this idea of mercy. It's, it's the word often in the Old Testament. It translates the Hebrew word hesed, which you've heard me talk about before if you've been following our daily devotions. Hesed is this incredible word with that's just packed full of meaning, so full of meaning that translators often struggle to, to know exactly how to bring the idea into English because there's really not... Uh, a word in English that, that really captures the hesed of Yahweh. I've said before that it may be, the best plan may be just to write hesed and just kind of introduce this new English word that, that carries all of the weight of this great Hebrew word. Eleos, the, the Greek word for mercy in the Septuagint, uh, when we look at the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, when we find Eleos used, it's most often translating the word hesed. At other times, it's translating the word hain, which is the word for favor. We might translate that as grace even. But most often, it's, it's hesed that is being, that, that it's kind of behind this word that we translate here as mercy. When we think about the, the hesed of Yahweh, that, that we understand as, as mercy, we, we often see in it uh, his loving kindness, his steadfast love, even his covenant faithfulness. It, it's, a, it's a word that is full of the, the character of God in his love, the character of God in his faithfulness, the, the covenantal nature of his dealings with us, that he is faithful to the covenant promises that he has made to his people that that serves as the basis for our relationship with God. And that's what's always been the basis of our relationship with God. It's not just now that this has happened. It's not just in light of the gospel that God's hesed is the basis for his relationship with his people. Indeed, when we go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms, we see this, this great psalm, Psalm 136, that has this common refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever. The word that in the English there, in the ESV, is translated steadfast love is this word hesed. And in Greek, in the, in the Septuagint, is this heleos. The, that, that's what the, the Septuagint translators used for steadfast love, for hesed. And so if you were to read Psalm 136, and I would encourage you to do that, we see that, that hesed or, or God's covenant faithfulness, his mercy, his steadfast loves, it's translated in the ESV, that being the basis for the relationship of him and his people isn't a new idea. 
I'll just read the first few stanzas here. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. So we see here that even the work of creation is looked at by the psalmist as somehow related to or or flowing from or, or, or reflecting God's steadfast love for his people. In fact, we can divide Psalm 136 up into different stanzas. Verses 4 through 9 deal with his creation, with this common refrain of his steadfast love. Verses 10 down through verse 16 deal with the reality of God's redemption of his people in the Old Testament. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt for his steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them for his steadfast love endures forever. Then verses 17 through 22 deal with the realities of the kingdom of God that he has established his people eternally in security and is to be praised for his steadfast love endures forever. Now we we must understand that the, the reason that he is to be praised is for his steadfast love endures forever. But in the way this psalm is structured, we see that that is also what is undergirding, what is kind of behind all of the works of God is his covenant faithfulness, his steadfast love, his mercy. Undoubtedly, Peter, as a a good Jew who knew his Old Testament well and, and sought to honor God according to his law, when he writes here that we have been born again, that he has caused us to be born again into a living hope, into this undefiled, imperishable, unfading inheritance, that this has happened according to his great mercy, his great heleos. Undoubtedly, Peter had in mind the hesed, the covenant faithfulness, the the grace, the mercy, the loving kindness, the steadfast love of God as being that which is behind or motivating or or undergirding or, or the basis for our being born again into a living hope, into an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance. We see a similar idea from Paul in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. He writes, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We see the exact same ideas in Paul there in Titus as he writes to encourage this minister in his work. We see the same ideas that that Peter is writing to encourage these exiles. That it's by the mercies of God, not by our works that we have a hope, not by our works that we've been born again, not by our works that we've been given an inheritance, but according to the mercies of God. This should change or or affect, it should, should incredibly inform how we think about ourselves in relation to God. How do you think, what do you see as the basis for your identity, hope, and security with God. 
it's none other, according to scripture, than his faithfulness, his love, his mercy. There's so much comfort, there's so much freedom in that reality that my identity with God as a child of God, we're going to look more at that tomorrow, my, my hope that is founded on the gospel, we're going to look more at that in a couple of days, my inheritance, my security, we'll look at that later this week, that, that those realities are not founded on anything I have done but that God has caused me to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance, according to His mercy, His steadfast love, His hesed, His work in me, Him being covenantly faithful. That's the basis of my life. That's the basis of your life. That's the basis of our life as Christians. It's the unending mercy of God. The the new every morning mercies of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the basis of the Christian life. So we can put off all of these ideas that somehow we have earned favor with God. Somehow, because of what we do, we have an inheritance. Because of what we do, we have a hope. No, 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 no. It's because of God's mercy and nothing else. This is why in the Christian life there is rest. This is why in the Christian life there is peace. Because unlike life in this world, my security, my hope, even my identity does not depend on me. Yours doesn't depend on you, but it depends on the mercy of our God who sent his son to die that we may have life and in him life eternal. That is the basis for our life. That is the basis for our identity, our hope, our security. The new every morning mercies of our God who moved towards us in love even while we were sinners. Rest in that. Rest and hope in the mercies of your God that have come to you through Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.